Chapter 8, Section 6 through 9 of Dress Design: An Account of Costume for Artists and Dressmakers by Talbot Hughes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Libby Gone. Dress Design: An Account of Costume for Artists and Dressmakers by Talbot Hughes. Chapter 8, Part 6, 19th Century. William the Fourth, Female. The hair still retained the high loops on top and the bunch of curls at the sides, poised by a back comb and set with flowers or feathers. There was also a great variety of fancy capes with pointed frills, some with long tie ends, and these are seen with most dresses and were worn in conjunction with the hats. The favourite hat was a big, flat, circular form, generally tilted at one side and decorated with bows, flowers and feathers. A flat tam o shape was often worn with a riding dress, sometimes with a large peak shape in front and straps under the chin. A large poke bonnet also kept the front as flat and round as possible, with a high crown tilted upward in order to set over the hair loops. The bodice began with a very pointed front and a very low neck off the shoulders. Tuckings of fine embroidery and capes or fichus of the same covered the shoulders, often three deep. The pointed bodice only lasted for a few years, when the waistbands again became the favourite. The sleeves were very large at the shoulders, diminishing at the wrist, but soon took a big round form, sometimes tightly pleated into quarters before 1835. We then get a huge sleeve at the wrist, and often falling below it. This again tightened on the forearm, and we note a tendency to tighter sleeves coming in before 1837, neatly gathered well down the shoulder. The evening dress sleeve was a large puff, set out by stiffening into a flat, wide effect. Very wide epaulet collars were seen on most dresses, meeting in a V-shape at the waist, with a filling of lace in the front, and many bodices were elaborately gathered, and some of the sleeves were also gathered into puffs all down the arm. The skirts were set out very full over stiff, flounced petticoats, and were worn rather short. As a rule, they were trimmed with one or two flounces, which were handsomely decorated, and a short polonaise is occasionally seen. There were many interesting trimmings of gauze, flowers, and bows, while silk-flowered gauze over dresses made some charming effects. Heavy mantles and capes or pelisses began to be braided, and rather strong colours were in general taste. The handbags were of a curved form and generally bore heavy tassels. Very small fans and round fans were attractive and bouquet holders of gilt with pearl handles became the thing to carry. Shoes were of the low sandal type, fastened by crossed elastic with very square toes and a tiny rosette or bow on the front. Boots to the ankle were now in fashion, mostly lacing at the inside or having a long toe cap, sometimes with a small rosette at the top of this or a tassel at front of the top of the boot. Part 7, 19th Century, William the Fourth, Male the hair was worn rather full in curls at the sides or on top, parted at the left side, besides being occasionally parted at the centre. Side whiskers curved forward still continued, and a short trimmed beard was now worn round under the chin by many. Mustaches also made their first great appearance at the end of this reign. Top hats were high and straight, but many still adhered to the tapered crown and larger brim. The same plain stalks of black satin continued, with or without a front bow, and a soft pleated or frilled shirt front. The coats were similar to the last reign, the chief differences being an increase in the length of the waist, 
wider tails and large lapels of a similar cut. Velvet collars and cuffs were much worn, and the waist was still made tight. A coat with a square skirt, as in figure 116, is seen for the first time, and the swallow-tailed coat was worn not quite so long. A lower opening to the waistcoat was generally seen in evening attire, which sometimes had but four small buttons, while more of the single-breasted type were in use, with and without lapels. Very tight trousers to the ankle buttoned up to the calf continued, or plain trousers were held by straps under the boot. Twill, corduroy, or nankeen were both strapped or free at the ankle and rather short. Knee breeches were still worn by many for evening dresses, and long Italian capes with overcapes and high turnover collars were fashionable, besides the very full-skirted greatcoat. Boots and shoes were square at the toes and rather long and narrow, the shoes having a bow or buckle. Short Wellington boots continued much in use, also spats. Fobs of gold seals, etc., were worn, and eyeglasses attached to a black ribbon is a noticeable feature. Part Eight, Nineteenth Century, Victoria, Female the hair was parted in the centre and tightened in a top setting of plaits, with side curls over the ears. This mode was retained by many till the fifties, but the top plaits began to be set lower at the back, and the same flat parted hair was brought in a curved shape to the front of the ears, often in a small plait, allowing the ear to show, or in a plaited knot at either side. About 1850 it was waved, parted, and simply curved from the forehead over the ears in a fuller manner sometimes being turned under to increase the side fullness, while the back hair was arranged lower down on the neck. In the sixties the hair was waved and caught behind in ringlets, or was bunched into the hideous chignon, which are still seen about 1880. The variety of caps and hats is too alarming to deal with and baffles comprehensible description, so it is best for the student to dip into the hundreds of illustrations through this period in the ladies' magazine, Punch, the Illustrated London News, or the Ladies' Treasury for the later styles. The straw bonnet with a straighter poke front was favoured till 1850, when the front became considerably reduced in size and fitted closely round the face. The larger brimmed bonnets had a little frill by the ears, and the tight brimmed bonnet often had the frill all round, with a flower also tucked in effectively to the wearer's taste, and we see this favoured till the seventies. In the fifties, a large flat leghorn hat with a small crown was in evidence, the brim dipping back and front, decorated with feathers or bows, and a three-cornered French hat with feathers set in the brim came in with the revival of the eighteenth-century style about 1860. A small bowler hat and a very small pork-pie hat appears in the late sixties, and a tiny-shaped bonnet of a curved form during the seventies. At the beginning of this long reign we find the pointed bodice with a normal length of waist has really come to stay, though many dresses retained the waistband till the fifties, and there is such a confusion of styles at that time it is difficult to arrange a sequence. From the eighteenth century fashions became more complicated in the greater variety of design, each overlapping each other, and several distinct forms of character come and go during this long reign. I do not envy the person who undertakes the chronology of our present period. At the commencement of 1837, the huge sleeves gathered at the wrist were still in evidence, especially as a gauze oversleeve to evening attire, and they continued thus to the fifties. But very large sleeves were really dying out, and the usual reaction was setting in. The full-shouldered sleeve had turned a somersault and was neatly gathered from the shoulder to the elbow, 
the fullness falling on the forearm, and this was gathered into a tight setting or wristband. The V-shaped front to the bodice was kept in many dresses by a collar or two taping from the shoulders to the waist, the fullness of the breast often being tightly gathered at the shoulders, besides a few inches in the front point of the bodice. A very plain tight-fitting sleeve became fashionable, and on most of these we find a small upper sleeve or a double one, as shown in A, plate 30, see page 266. This was sometimes opened at the outer side. These sleeves continued until about 1852. In 1853, a bell-shaped sleeve is noticed in ordinary dress, and this continued in various sizes till 1875, reaching its fuller shape about 1864. These types of sleeves were usually worn over a tight one or a full lawn sleeve gathered at the wrist. Most bodices with this sleeve were closely fitted and high in the neck, the waist often being cut into small tabs. We notice for a few years in the early fifties the deeper part of the bell curve to the front of the arm, giving a very ugly appearance. A close-fitting jacket also came into evidence about 1865, with tight sleeves and cuffs, sometimes with a little turn-down collar and a longer skirt as in figure C, plate 33, see page 282. This particularly fine embroidered specimen, in imitation of the 18th century style, is interestingly cut away short at the back to allow for better setting on the crinoline. There is another type of sleeve seen in about 1848, of a plain full square cut. These became varied in shape, being open up the side and generally trimmed with wide braids. This clumsy character is seen up to 1878, the later ones being fuller in cut. Zouave jackets were occasionally worn in the forties and later in the early sixties, when the wide corselet belt was again favoured. Skirts at the beginning of the reign were fully set out on drill petticoats, stiff flounces, and even whalebone, so it was hardly a great effect when the crinoline appeared about 1855, though a furious attack was made against it at first. This undersetting developed to its fullest extent between 1857 and 1864, and many dresses in the early sixties were also worn short, showing the high boots of this period. At first the crinoline was slightly held back from the front by ties, and again in the sixties it was often kept with a straight front, the fullness being held to the back, till the appearance of the bustle brought in another shape. The skirts were now pulled in tight to the front of the figure and bunched up at the back, with a train or shaped flounce pieces overlapping each other caught up under the bustle, as in figure B, plate 32, see page 282. Mantles of a cumbersome type and shot silk capes with long pointed fronts were worn, often heavily fringed, the former also being mostly decorated with braided designs. Large paisley shawls were much used all through this reign, besides the cape and hood with its fine tassels which became very fashionable in the sixties. Gloves and mittens are seen both long and short, the latter often beautifully embroidered on the back in the French style. Handbags were often carried, of which examples are given in the plates of a variety of shapes. The favourite materials for their makes were velvet and silks decorated with bouillon, sequins, braids, needlework, and beads, and these bags were richly set in gilt, silver, or steel mounts. Parasols were still heavily fringed, and were of the usual shapes. A very small one was carried in the carriages, and are even seen on the ladies' driving whips. Shoes continued in the same heelless sandal character to the sixties for evening wear, but from the forties most outdoor shoes had a heel and large rosettes. 
with the seventies came round toes with a large round front and bow and high shaped heels came to stay till the present day boots of white satin kid or coloured silks were chiefly worn till the seventies reaching just above the ankle laced up the inner side but many wore elastic sides from the fifties the toes of these were rather square and a toe cap and front seam was made mainly of this type in the forties a tight rosette was sometimes placed low down towards the toes and later a huge bow was sewn on the front high boots buttoned towards the side and very much shaped with pointed round toes and high heels were sometimes laced and finished with a pair of tassels spats were always fashionable through this period part nine nineteenth century victoria male the same modes of doing the hair remained till the sixties parted at one side and worn rather long and waved with the side whiskers or beard all round the chin the side whiskers were allowed to grow long between fifty-five and seventy and a full beard also became fashionable while the hair was parted in the centre from front to back and flattened on the forehead the favourite top hat still reigned supreme many of which retained the tapered top and large curled brim till about eighteen fifty five and a bell shape was frequently seen in the fifties but the real straight chimney shape was seen through till the eighties with a rather narrow brim and often of white or fawn-coloured cloth the bowler hat increased in appreciation being of a short type with smallish brim the short flat felt hat with rather straight brim also came into favour from the fifties little round caps and capped with ear flaps for travelling etc were also in general use the frock coat kept the rather tight sleeves and tight waist and full square skirt with back pockets also a deep lapel sometimes with a velvet collar and small cuffs a breast pocket was often placed on the left side and in the fifties the type of morning coat with rounded off fronts at the skirt appeared also a small collar and lapel square-cut jackets and tweed suits similar to our present shapes but heavier in cuts and with braided edges were much in use velvet or fur-trimmed overcoats and heavy travelling coats also capes and inverness capes were also in vogue waistcoats became buttoned higher in the neck and the stock collar was supplanted in the sixties by a turned-down collar and a small tie or loose bow many still affected the black stock and pointed collar to the seventies when a high round collar began to appear coloured and fancy waistcoats were much worn till the eighties and the evening dress was similar to the present cut with slight differences in the length of lapels and waistcoat front the trousers were made with the front flap till they were buttoned down the front about eighteen forty five and side pockets became general braids may be noted down the sides in the fifties and are seen now and then all through the reign while large plaids and stripes were highly esteemed short wellington boots were chiefly preferred up to the sixties and trouser straps and spats were fashionable all through the reign the heavier lace-up boot came in during the fifties and a very shaped type of fashion appeared in the sixties having now completed the general survey of costume the following pages are given up to the cuts and measurements of various antique garments end of chapter eight part six through nine recording by libby gone end of dress design an account of costume for artists and dressmakers by talbot hughes